Do you believe he's worthy? Give him a praise. I think he's more worthy than that. Come on. You can do better than that. I tell you what, um, I'm thankful for the news being a little longer today because I was back, backstage just drying my eyes uh, and uh, just preparing to cry more out here. Um, but uh, holy smokes, uh, what an amazing God we have. Whew. Welcome to the Refuge Church. If you're new here, my name is Adam Harold, and uh, my, let's see, <laughs> adorable wife Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this church that we call the Refuge. If uh, you haven't been here in a little while, that was a little bit of an inside joke. Uh, but uh, Tanya and I have the privilege of leading this church together. We're a team. I couldn't do it without her, and she couldn't do it without me on most days. So um, thank you so much for, uh, for being here today. I do want to highlight one of the announcements that Jordan had. And by the way, I love Baptism Sundays because we're a little bit higher in attendance, but also because we get to see new life. And uh, it's, I'm so excited for today because um, God has something in store for every single one of us, and uh, man, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm just warning you. I'm just warming up because I'm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, one of the announcements that Jordan mentioned, and then I have a, an additional announcement that I've decided that now is the time to go ahead and, and announce it. So, number one, first thing that she said that I want to highlight, and that is, 21 days of prayer begins next Sunday, September 3rd, and we're going to go till. 21 days later on September 23rd. And so I know you're thinking in, my, in your mind, third, 20, trust me, it's 21 days. And, um, and so we'll start on a Saturday, or sorry, we'll start on a Sunday, we'll end on a Saturday. And I wanted to, I want to, to highlight, because I know that next weekend is Labor Day weekend. Did you know that next weekend is Labor Day weekend? Next weekend, summer is over. I'm just warning you right now. There are tissues under the chairs for you to cry because I know some of you are thinking we haven't even had summer yet anyway in Maine. And I feel like if, if that's your attitude, you're glass half empty. You need to get the glass half full today. All right. We've had the summer. <laughs> I'm not going to preach that. Don't worry. Um, but um, so 21 days of prayer is um, I want to talk about the why behind it. Right. Because we're starting on Labor Day weekend and it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But this is the reason why. And it's because we do it twice a year. We do it at the beginning of the year in January, and then we do it in the fall. And the reason we do it in the fall is because we just came out of the most gluttonous season um, that we've had, being summer, right? I don't know about you, but I haven't had much of a schedule this summer. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've gotten to enjoy a little bit of, um, of freedom. And so as I've enjoyed my freedom, I've kind of waned from, from my... Uh, what's the word, my routine, right? And so I want to get back into re a routine of intimacy, right? And so the reason we do 21 days of prayer in the fall is to get back to a routine of intimacy. What that looks like is every day, Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m., we open the doors for, for prayer, um, 6 a.m. to 7, and then on Saturdays, because no one gets up at 6 a.m. on Saturday, um, we do it at 9 a.m., 
And so if, you're, if you want to join us for prayer, fr- Monday through Friday, 6 to 7, and then Saturdays at 9, and then Sundays at 9 and 11 for now. But in the fall, on Sundays, we will be doing 21 days of prayer. I'm sorry, in, in January, uh, on Sundays, we'll be doing 21 days of prayer at 8, 9, and 11. What that means is that this fall, we're going to three services. So that's a big announcement, um, and that's a sign of, of growth in our church. I don't know any parents in the house that have realized that your kids don't have any room in our kids' ministry. Like, we don't have the walls aren't big enough to hold 50, like, two weeks ago, we had 52 kids in, in that little area back there. That's a lot of kids in a small area. And for that reason alone, we decided we need to make more room. And the best way, like, we're not going to tear down a bunch of walls right now. Someday we will. But um, we need to go to, to three services. And so on, you ready for this? Mark your calendars, October the 15th. It's the weekend after Columbus Day. We will be going to three services. And um, why is it so quiet over this? Are you guys scared? Are you guys scared? You guys are like, oh, man, this is going to require more work. It is, which is why we're doing a series on serving right now. Are you getting what are you, are you like? Are you with me? You understand where we're going? It's all about vision, right? It's all about where we're going. And so um, three services, October 15th, 8 a.m., 9.30. Did I say 9 earlier? 9.30, because you guys were like, that's why you were so quiet. You were trying to figure out the math, like, how is that going to work? 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11. So um, services are going to be an hour. Like, we got to tighten it up, right? we got to tighten it up, praise team. we got to tighten it up, preacher, right? Uh, <laughs> you can't preach as long. And so uh, we're going to tighten it up. We're going to be an hour, and then you're going to have, ready, 15 minutes to get your kids out of here and then bring in the next crowd. It's going to be intense. It's going to be chaos, and God's going to be in all of it, right? So excited. Are you excited for that? Good. I'm glad because I'm really, really excited. So today we are in week number three of a series that we're calling True Satisfaction. True Satisfaction. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, where we discover where we, where we discover true satisfaction. And we're kind of unpacking Galatians 5.13. You can turn there in your Bibles. I hope you all have one of these Bibles because this is my Bible. Everyone has one of these, and it's okay to get it out. It's okay to get this out and to look at it. Just don't look at Facebook and other things while you look at your YouVersion Bible app. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app uh, with all of today's notes. You do get a little bit more when you use your phone. I'll just tell you that. Um, or, or, or your iPad or whatever digital device you brought in to distract you during church. I'm just kidding. Today we are in week three of a series we're calling True Satisfaction. Week one, Tanya talked about how um, true satisfaction comes from understanding our calling. Like, understand that every person to ever live is called by God to be a child of God, but they have to choose to respond to that call in their life. Not everyone is going to choose to, to 
to receive Jesus as their Savior, right? And so, uh, but, but our, his, Jesus says, I'm willing that none should perish, but that everyone should come to repentance, that everyone should come into relationship with me. This is, this is God's desire for all of us, is calling. Week two, last week, I talked about how true satisfaction comes from being free in Christ. How, and and I, I gave us seven things that people who are free in Christ do. At the end of that message, I talked about, about serving people and how people who are free in Christ serve one another. However, everyone can serve one another. Everyone can do something nice to someone. We all learned to help the old lady across the road, right? We all learned to serve each other, but the, the reason people that are free in Christ do it are different than people that are do it otherwise. And the way that they're, the reason that they're different is many people in this world are like serve each other because they want to show everyone that they're a good person. Look at me, I'm good. But people that are free in Christ do it because they're a dead person. Because it's not them that is alive inside of them, but it's Christ that is alive inside of them. And the whole reason people that are free in Christ, that understand who they are in Jesus, the reason they do it is because they're dead inside. Last week, I talked about, and, I, and I, when I said that, I said next week, we're going to unpack that. Hopefully, that's why there's so many people in the house today. Come on, somebody. That's not why you're here. That's not why you're here. The, the fact is, is that everyone can serve people. But only people that are free in Christ do it because it's who they are. It's a part of their DNA it's ingrained in them. And fact is, is if you call yourself a Christian, can I just stomp on some toes early? If you call yourself a Christian, you should be serving. Because it's who you are. It's Jesus inside of you. So, Let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. But before we do, let's ask our dad to join the conversation. Can I do that? Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are worthy of it all. The fact is, is that you're worthy of me dying to myself so that you can live inside of me. You're worthy of my service. You're worthy of me giving you my entire life. And I thank you that when you come to live through me, that that's when I discover freedom. Lord, I pray that your voice would be louder than my voice today, that I would get out of the way so that you can speak. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Galatians 5, 13, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. You don't use freedom to do whatever you want. You, do your, you use your freedom to do what God wants. Carry on. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another 
in love. Today, can we read verse 14? I want to read verse 14 for you as well. The next verse. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Today's culture is obsessed with self, isn't it? Did you know that the self-help industry in all of the world is worth, are you ready for this? $43.77 billion. That's according to the Grandview Research Group. $43.7 billion on self-help. Getting better with myself. We're obsessed with ourselves. That's why the Bible teaches us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. So we need to become obsessed with, with our neighbor, with others. So let me ask you a question. What does Jesus say that our view of self should be? This is a trick question. What does Jesus say that our view of self should be? Jesus says, if you love me, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Can I be honest with you this morning? Um, in, in fact, let's, let's jump to Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, because we've read this verse the last two, two weeks. I might as well read it every week of the, the, the series anyway, right? Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. My honesty this morning says that when I was young and when I learned this verse, I thought that's where the verse ended. Like, I stopped believing right there. I'm crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. And what that did for me, this is, this is, this is my journey. What that did to me is it led to a lot of insecurity inside of me. But the verse continues. And so I, I would say things like, I'm just, I'm just denying myself. I'm, I'm, I'm just but I'm not allowing Christ to live through me because the, vo- the, the verse continues. Keep reading. But Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What happens if we stop at I'm crucified with Christ and it's no longer I who live? What's, what happens is we're tempted not to take care of ourselves. That's not what the scripture teaches. What the scripture teaches is that it's, it's no, I'm getting emotional because I'm, I'm thinking about how I've struggled with this in my life. We have to take care of ourselves so that Christ can live through us by serving one another. Denial of self doesn't mean you can't take care of yourself. That's why the scripture teaches that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, that Christ dwells inside of you. You're to take care of your body because it's where Jesus lives. I can do a lot better at that. I told you I'm stomping on toes. This whole series, I hope you're okay with that. So there's this tension in God's word between denying myself And loving myself the way that Jesus loves me. 
And it brings me to today's big idea. One thing, if I could communicate one thing this morning, it is this. Write it down. Christ living in me and Christ living through me does not happen without me dying to me. Christ living in me and Christ living through me doesn't happen without me dying to me. I have to crucify my, my flesh. You don't hear this in a lot of churches. In fact, you're probably going to hear the opposite in a lot of churches. We have to learn to die to ourselves. Our goal as Christians should be that Christ lives in us and lives through us. More and more, I pray that Christ would live in and through me, in and through my kids, in and through my wife, in and through my church, in and through my friends, in and through my community, that Christ would live in and through each and every single one of us. But the truth is, for Christ to live in me and through me, it requires death. It requires requires re- it requires <laughs> that I die. It requires for me to die. We don't come to church to leave high about ourselves. Hopefully you, you do a little bit. But we come to church so that we can learn to, to die to ourselves, To put Jesus first. And as we put Jesus first, we put others first. And as we put others first, we discover freedom. And the freedom helps us feel high. But it all starts with death. This morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about dead people. Five things about dead people that I believe that we can learn in our walk with Jesus. Five of them. You're going to have to work with me on some of them, but five of them. Five things about dead people. I hope you are ready. Number one, I said it last week, so we're not going to unpack it a lot, but dead people don't have opinions. Dead people don't have opinions. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want their they only want to air their own opinions. Now hear me out. I'm not saying, and I don't think the scriptures are saying that you shouldn't have an opinion. What I'm saying is that as believers and followers of Jesus, your opinions are formed for you. Woo-hoo. I'm just gonna step back and let that one set for a second. Our opinions as followers of Jesus are found in this Bible, in this book. They're written for me. They're not things that I can think of on my own. They're things that are already written that I have to decide. If this is God's word, this is what I believe. And this is why I believe it. My opinions are written for me. As followers of Jesus, who are dead to themselves, our opinions are written for us. That's number one. 
Number two, the rest of these aren't going to go as fast, just so you know. I mentioned it last week, so I didn't want to spend a lot of time there. Number two, dead people are not tempted. Dead people aren't tempted. (laughs) Think about that for a second. Dead people don't struggle with sin. I, uh, I was listening to a podcast uh, probably, I don't know, three months ago. And uh, if you ask me later on, I'll give you the name of the podcast. But uh, I'm not going to necessarily promote the podcast here. Don't worry, though, it's not Joe Rogan. So um, half of you understood that joke. But um, this podcast, this guy was saying, he told a story, and I don't know if it was true or not. I don't know if it's a true story. Um, I kind of hope that it was, but, it, but it, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that it was. He said that he had an uncle that had died um, that was type 2 diabetic. And the reason he died was because he went to IHOP and he got the all-you-can-eat pancakes, and he ate pancakes until he died because he had type 2 diabetes. Um, he said, but I, I didn't believe that my uncle was dead. And so um, I went to his wake anyway, even though I didn't believe that he was dead. And when I went to his wake, before I got there, I stopped at the convenience store and I bought a Snickers. He said, Uncle Robbie loves Snickers. He's like, I could probably go to his house that he hasn't been in for a week because he's dead and find Snickers wrappers laying all over the place. He loves Snickers. And he's like, and when I got to the wake, because I wouldn't do this at the funeral, I walk up to the casket, I open his Snickers, and I take out that Snickers bar, and I put it right on his lips. And I just walked away and just waited. He goes, would you believe Uncle Robbie never licked his lips? Never grabbed the Snickers bar? Like, like. In fact, the Snickers bar just sat there, and it melted a little bit, and then it fell, and it got on his suit. That's why I hope that the whole thing is true. I, I don't think it's true, but um, it's funny. But the whole point is that dead people are not tempted. Dead people aren't tempted. They don't struggle with sin. Now, I know that's a little, a little on the, the morbid side this morning. But people that are dead don't struggle with sin. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It is, in my opinion, the best verse when it comes to temptation. The problem is the enemy has convinced people that it believes something, that, that it means something that it doesn't. From this verse, we get the idea or the concept, the belief, that God doesn't give me anything that I cannot handle. Have you ever heard that? Maybe you've said that. If you've said that, um, I've got great news for you. That is not true. You guys are like, it's not true. And the reason it's not true is because all God wants from us is that we would rely on him. That's what he desires. Why in the world would I rely on a God that doesn't give me anything that I need him to rely on? Does that make sense? And so we get this misconception from this verse. Let me read it for you. It says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptations to be more than you can stand. 
when you are tempted. And he will show you a way out so that you can endure. I know that there are people in this room that have gone through junk that they couldn't handle. Some of you are going through junk right now that you cannot handle. I've got great news for you. That's the way it's supposed to be. Because God just wants you to trust him. Why would God take away the thing that brings me to my knees? That causes me to desire intimacy with him. That brings me closer to him. Why would he take that away? Dead people aren't tempted. Number one, dead people don't have opinions. Number two, dead people aren't tempted. Number three, dead people are naked. Work with me here. I know we're not burying people naked. We clothe them. We, in fact, when I lived in Illinois, um, I would do funerals for this guy named Rogers Atkins. Roger Atkins. And um, sorry, it was a funeral home. It's called Rogers Atkins. His last name was Rogers. Anyway, he was an artist with dead bodies. I loved that. His name was Larry. That's it. See? Anyway. It only takes a little bit to get me off track. I'm just warning you. Larry Rogers was an artist with dead people. He, he didn't, he, he doesn't, like, we didn't bury them naked, right? So work with me here. Because it's not so much that dead people are naked, it's that crucified people are. When Jesus hung on the cross for our sins, he did so naked. Let me show you in scripture. John chapter 19, verse 23 and 24 says, When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes, not his cloth, his clothes, among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw it, throw dice for it, let's uh, this fulfilled the scripture that said, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. So that, so that is what they did. When Jesus was crucified, he had to be naked to maximize his humiliation for my sin. He had to be humiliated so that when I sin. I don't have to be. Come on, that is good. You know why dead people are naked and how that applies to my life? I'm not asking us to show up to church naked next week. Please don't. Please do not. Please do not. Naked people can't hide things. When I am naked, I am completely vulnerable. It is all out there. 
I have nothing to hide. And that's the kind of relationship that my God wants with me. He wants me to go to him with my struggle, with my, my issues. He wants me to bear it all out in front of him and lay there with him with no secret. This is why I believe in 2 Samuel chapter 6 that King David danced before the Lord naked because he was so close in his worship with Jesus that he had nothing to hide. God wants us to worship him without hiding anything. That's why when we come and we sing, you're worth you're worthy of it all. All means all and that's all it means. You're worthy of all my secrets. You're worthy of everything that I've ever hidden. And you're trustworthy of me giving you my junk without you condemning me because I am in Christ that loved me so much that died for my sin so that I don't have to be condemned any longer. There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 says. The book of James teaches us to confess your sins one to another so that you can be healed. Nakedness brings healing. If you're the only person that knows your secrets, you're in trouble. Number one, dead people don't have opinions. Number two, dead people are not tempted. Number three, Dead slash crucified people are naked. Number four, dead people don't have possessions. They don't have possessions. Luke chapter 18, the rich man comes to Jesus and he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus responds to him. He says, you, you know the commandments you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely and honor your father and mother. And the rich man says to him, I've done all these things since I was a young boy. And then Jesus says, but there's one more thing. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But when the young man heard this, the Bible says he was very sad because he was very rich. Because he had a lot of possessions that he didn't want to release. What is Jesus saying here? Does he say that, does that mean that we have to go and we have to sell everything and we have to, to give it all to the poor? Does that mean that that's what every single person in this room should do? No, I don't believe that's what it means. But what he's teaching the young man is that you cannot follow me while you still hold on to your belonging. Let me, let me rephrase it. You cannot follow me while you still hold on to your family. You cannot follow me while you still hold on to your job. You cannot follow me while you still hold on to insert whatever you are holding on to this morning. 
But here, it is clear. He teaches us that our possessions will rob us of intimacy with the Father. Ladies and gentlemen, the inheritance of God is not found in money. You know why? Because dead people don't take money to heaven with them. We've all heard the joke about a a dead man with a U-Haul. It doesn't happen. What is the only thing that you can take to heaven? People. This is why my wife and I started a church. We want to take people with us to heaven. People are the inheritance. That's why we serve them. It's, it's not about our, our belonging or our belongings. Number five, dead people don't have schedules. Number one, dead people don't have opinions. Number two, dead people don't have, are, are not tempted. Number three, dead people are naked. Dead people don't have possessions. Number five, dead people don't have schedules. Have you ever had an appointment with a dead man? I haven't. You know why? Because they're dead. Their schedule's made up for them. They know what they're doing tomorrow. They're not. Some of your your schedules are killing you. And you you need to hear that dead people don't have schedules. When I crucify my flesh, it's just like the opinions. My schedule is dictated for me. I'm just going to let that hit. My schedule is dictated for me. I know that I have to schedule intimacy with God. It's not about church attendance. It's about intimacy with my father. It's about getting around people that are like-minded, that are trying to serve God together. It's about being with people that love God the way that I do, that want intimacy with him the same way I do, my schedule's made up for me. When we follow Jesus, nothing stops us from the freedom that he wants to give us. Problem is we like to hold on to things that prevent our freedom. So today, I I focused a lot on Christ living in me, coming to live inside of me. But next week, I want to talk about how Christ lives through us. Christ in me and Christ through me is the only way that I get to experience freedom. Now, let's talk about today. Because today is special. Today... We talked about being a dead man. It is no coincidence that today we are celebrating people who identify with being a dead man. The way we 
celebrate that is through baptism. The reason we baptize by immersion is because once Jesus was crucified on the cross, he was buried in the tomb. We don't bury people under dirt, but we do in water. But Jesus didn't stay in the tomb. He didn't stay in the grave. He came back up out of the water to live new. Baptism is a symbol of being dead. That's why we do it. This morning, I, I cannot wait to baptize people in their new identity of Jesus. I absolutely love doing this. We have some people that have planned for this. But I know with a message like today that there are some in this room that maybe you've said, man, when I got baptized, it was nothing about being dead. Or maybe you said, I was baptized as, as, a, as an infant, but I didn't make that, that choice to be, to be dead. It's time that I die to my, myself. And I tell other people that I'm, I'm dying to myself. If that's you, if you're, if you're here and you're like, man, I just really feel like I need to be baptized. Our, we're gonna open the doors. You guys can open the doors now. We're gonna open the doors to make it real easy, the, the doors on my right, to make it easy for you just to get up at any moment, go. We've got all the shirts and all the, all the, um, the shorts and the towels that you could possibly need to be baptized today. Because sometimes, sometimes it requires a decision Can I pray with us? Can I pray with you this morning? Let's pray as the kids come in, the kids can come on in as, I, as, I, as we bow together and we pray. It's, if you're being baptized today, come to the front and, and just get ready. Let's pray together. Father, you're worthy of it all. truth of the matter is, is that you're worthy of my life. And you're worthy of me dying to myself. You're worthy of all of us giving you our lives to follow after you. And God, if there's anyone in this room that needs to be baptized, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength and the courage to say yes to the spirit and say no to the flesh. God, I thank you that you don't manipulate us. You don't twist our arm to do anything. But you place it in our spirit, knowing what we need to do. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this house, in these people that are identifying with your death 
in saying that they will live for you. Christ in them and Christ through them. In Jesus. Precious name I pray. Amen.